welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Good morning, everyone. This morning I'm reading Psalms for the Director of Music to the tune of The Doe of the Morning, a Psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Psalm 22, chapter 16 to 24. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. (coughs) Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assemblies, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Morning, church. My name's Dave Kilpatrick, I serve as the Director of Ministries at Kerry, and it's great to be back. I've been on holidays, I've had a staycation, and uh, staycations are highly underrated, I reckon. Last couple of years we've gone away and you do the whole, you know, get the house organised after Christmas, and then you pack everything up and you go on holidays and you unpack everything while you're on holidays and you have a holiday and then you pack everything back up and put it in the car and you get home and you unpack it all and then you get back to work. And uh, we just stayed and it was awesome. We sort of, you know, went to the beach and swam in the pool and went down the river and watched some movies and had a sleep and did it all again. It was awesome. So it's great to be back. Um, it's great to be back at work. It's great to be back in the community. I'm looking forward to seeing all that God is going to do in and through us and around the world in 2019. The 23rd Psalm. We're starting the year looking at some psalms, and I thought I'd look at the 23rd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. 
apart from perhaps for God so loved the world, it is probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's probably the most well-known psalm, and rightly so. What a lovely psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. What a lovely psalm. It it brings to image pictures like this of green pastures and a few sheep just contentedly sitting there. I mean, if you were a sheep, you'd be looking, that was pretty good. You think the shepherd's done well. Or even better, this scene, this is the one I like. I mean, who doesn't want a shepherd that's going to take us to places like that? The only way this scene could be improved is if there was a camper trailer and a Weber with a few really juicy ribeye steaks on it, a fireplace, my Prado, a kayak or two, with my kids jumping off and my wife reading a book, perhaps even some friends. I mean, apart from that, it's just about perfect. Who doesn't want a shepherd that's going to lead us to a place like that? The 23rd Psalm. Who loves it? Of course we do, because it's beautiful. Yes. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. If you ask my Josh, my son, I do lack something because I don't have a Lamborghini or a Lambo, as apparently it's called. It's not saying I get everything I want. It's not even saying I get everything I think I need. Because we know that, don't we? We know that with our kids. There's the stuff our kids want, like a bag of lollies or an ice cream. Then there's the stuff our kids need, like care and love and shelter and clothing and food. And then there's the stuff our kids really, really, really need, like a new iPhone, or to be able to stay up as old as, as late as their other brother or sister stays up, or to be able to go out to a particular place. And we know that what our kids really, really, really need very rarely actually coincides with what they actually need. Sometimes it does, and those times are really sweet, but not often. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In the message it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I want for nothing. It's not a picture of we get everything we want or even (coughs) we get everything we need. It's this picture of saying, I'm content with what the shepherd brings me. I'm content with what the shepherd brings me. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He guides me along the right paths. Again, this is not a picture of, you know, sometimes I sit down and uh, let's say, well, which way do you think we should go? And uh, we have an agreement. You know, God doesn't really consult us very often. You know, he says, go and do this. And I'm thinking, no, I don't think that's a really good idea. Who's had that experience? Think, no, God, you want to rethink about that one a little bit. It's not, I will negotiate with you to find a path that you're really happy to go on and I don't think will be too far out of my arrangement. God doesn't seem to be particularly fussed about whether we think his path is right. But there is again a sense in this psalm to say he leads me along the right paths. There's a sense of I'm going to I'm going to trust that. I don't know where this is going. I don't know why he wants. I'm just trusting that as God leads me, I'm trusting that this is going to be the right path. For his name's sake, there's a bigger picture going on than just me. 
He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. What, what, is, what is that about? Oh, wouldn't it be lovely if the psalm finished there? Green pastures, lacking nothing, still waters, jumping off kayaks, right paths, refreshed soul. But we know that it doesn't. It goes on. And we know that life frequently doesn't look like that. Often life looks more like this. Desert and barren and foreboding and harsh. It's a picture of some of the desert region in the area surrounding Israel. We know often that life does not seem like a mill pond, but like raging storms and seas that are threatening to engulf us at any moment. It would be really nice if the psalm ended there, but it doesn't, and nor does life. And it goes on to say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What's really important to understand is the darkest valley is gone through. It is there, but he fears no evil. Why? Not because he knows how it's going to end up. Not because he knows where this path is going to end up, but because of the presence of the shepherd. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <laughs> now, the rod and the staff, they come from Hebrew words. They can be variously interpreted. But I think the most helpful thing we can hold on to is the, the rod, the staff, is more like a walking stick. It might have had that little curvy part on we like to see, think about. And, and that, is, that is used... Support in walking, direction, poking, prodding, pulling, guiding the sheep. It denotes care and direction. The rod is something different. The rod is more likely to refer to a heavier, shorter, stockier item. An item with weight that can be used to club wild animals to defend the sheep. The rod also has a connotation of being a scepter. A ruling rod, one that connotes authority and power. And remember, David, the writer of this, was both a king and it started out as a shepherd. So your rod and your staff comfort me to note this concept of because the Lord is present, his guidance, his care is there, but also his power and his authority and his protection is there. These are all attributes of the shepherd. And he has an understanding that even though he walks through the darkest valley, it is with him. It then goes on, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, I get that we have to have dark valleys. Do we have to have enemies, really? Can't we just have a nicer world? It would be nice, but we do. We have people that oppose us. I mean, to be fair, in Australia, our enemies... It's not so bad. In other parts of the world, our enemies will kill us. But we have enemies. We have people that are difficult. We have people that are difficult in my family. And that's frequently me. Why was that funny? Here we're moving in the psalm from this picture of a, a welcoming, a shepherd to a more personal aspect. You prepare a table for me. This is not an idea of being in battle surrounded by enemies and someone throwing a, a bottle of water and a loaf of bread so I can get a bit of sustenance. This is the preparation of a table. 
This is attention. This is care. This is laying out a food, a feast, a place to come and to sit down and to participate in fellowship. When someone in that culture, and this was written, prepared a table, are inviting you to fellowship, to friendship, to relationship. They were blessing you. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. There's this picture that is being painted that even in the midst of my enemies, God is providing something rich. He is filling and anointing me. He is blessing me. And not only does I have enough, but it flows over. The Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Recognize here that that is not talking about only good things and nice times will follow me. Because this is said in the context of enemies and darkest valleys. Goodness and love is actually a person. It's the shepherd. It's Jesus. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because at the beginning of the psalm, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the time that this was written thousands of years ago, the house of the Lord would have been the tabernacle or the temple, the place where God was seen to reside with his people. But it denotes living in the presence of God. God doesn't have a temple anymore. His spirit resides in his people and the whole earth is his house. So we reside with the Lord forever, wherever we're residing in the presence of the Lord, wherever we're standing in a place where the Lord is our shepherd. And we can, we can, there's lots of levels that we can look at the 23rd Psalm on. This is like going to be one of those ads where, you know, we, you know you want more. I have steak knives as well. Okay, so we can look at this psalm in the sense of thinking, well, this is a psalm about me and my life and, and my physicality and my security and what I need to eat and the difficult times I have and, and God is going to look after me. And that is right. That is right. But the psalm starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. And that requires us to ask the question, well, who is our shepherd? Who is our shepherd? When I'm wanting to be led along the right paths, am I going to my shepherd? Am I looking at the scriptures or am I asking Dr. Google? Dr. www.whatshouldidonow.com If I'm looking for a life that is... <clears throat> Successful is the Lord my, she <coughs> my shepherd. If I'm looking at a life that is vibrant and fulfilled, do I go to the Lord or am I reading Tim Robbins, how to get to the top, how to win in seven easy steps, how to be successful? Who is my shepherd? Am I confident walking through the darkest valley because I'm fully and foundationally insured with health insurance and car insurance and fire and theft insurance and income protection insurance? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for I'm fully insured. Or I don't need a table in the presence of my enemies because I have a black belt in karate. Heaven help them. I am my shepherd and therefore I ensure that I lack nothing because I buy everything that I want. Who is our shepherd? See, the question of who is our shepherd is the place where we find our assurance, our peace, our security. And I think if the Lord is our shepherd, we live with a different posture. 
See, if I am my shepherd and I want to ensure I lack nothing, I'm going to have a difficulty living a generous life. Because whatever I give means it's something that I can't have. If I am the one that is responsible for making sure that there is security in my life and assurance in my life and safety in my life, then I am perpetually going to be worried that I've messed something out, that perhaps I haven't planned well enough, that there could be a catastrophe that occur to me that insurance won't cover. I'm never going to be at peace. But if the Lord is my shepherd, there is a place of rest. So at the first level, as we think about the 23rd Psalm as a psalm about our life, as about our living, as about our, our, our eating and moving and so forth, we, can, we need to ask the question, well, where is our peace and security coming from? But we can look at the 23rd Psalm in a deeper way as well. The first way is not wrong. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying insurance is wrong. I'm not saying that savings are wrong. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. But if that is the place where we find our security and our assurance, then there's a problem. Because we are succumbing to the illusion of control. The deeper way we can look at that is recognising that we are more than what we eat and what we drink. We are more than what we do. We are spiritual people. The writer Richard Raw speaks of us really having two selves. One, he's a Christian, a Catholic writer and thinker, and, and he, I think he speaks helpfully about having two selves. One is the small self, and one is the larger self. And the small self, that's our ego. That's our defensiveness. That's the place that we need to make sure that we're reflected well to people. That's the place that's concerned about how other people will think. That's the place that's tied up in our career or how good we look or how big our car is or our house is or a bank account. Or that is the place that we are fearful and protective and defended and not free. And that is a place where if we're not careful we can spend much of our lives. Our biggest self, Richard Raw would say, was the self that was created in the image of God to participate freely and lovingly and generously in the loving communion of God himself. A self that does not need to be defended, a self that is not insecure, a self that just accepts that they are loved and valued and participating in the mystery that is the love of God in the world, the sustainer of all life, and in loving relationship with all others. That's a place of peace. It's a place of freedom. It's a place that often we do not live. We all grow up with insecurities. We all grow up with worries and fears and brokenness. I'm dyslexic. So I spent most of my educational life thinking that I was profoundly dumb. I had a, a number of really bad experiences uh, at school. You would never get that at Kerry. Uh, but I did it in my school. And I, I just grew up thinking that I was dumb. And my family uh, didn't function in the way that I thought families should function. My mum was really unwell. And uh, through, through most of my life, I just, I just grew up feeling like there was something deeply wrong with me, with my family, and that I, I, I just didn't feel like I mattered. But I learned really quickly that if I worked hard, I got praise and I got approval. 
And that was like a drug to me. And I realized that the harder I worked, the more praise I got. The more praise I got, the better I felt. And it started to feel like it was anesthetizing the hole in my heart where I didn't really think I mattered. And as far as insecurities go, that one worked really well for me. Because you look impressive when you work hard. And I worked hard and I got praised and I worked hard and I got promoted and I got worked hard and I got more money and I worked hard and I, in the church, people thought I was wonderful. Dave, awesome, works hard. But all that was really happening is they were fanning my idolatry. Because I had come to worship the praise and approval of other people. And I would sacrifice my body and my relationships to that end. And I was not free. And my, my incapacity, I had an incapacity to stop. I couldn't rest because if I rest, I wasn't doing anything. If I wasn't doing anything, I didn't matter. And, and, and this thing in me, it impacted my relationships. It impacted my capacity to be gracious and generous. And I didn't even know it was a problem. If you'd asked me, I would have thought, got a good work ethic. That was honey and ginger. If you asked me, I'd say, I've got a good work ethic and I'm really clumsy. The journey over the last probably 10 to 12 years is a journey of God just starting to untangle the knots in my heart that prevented me from understanding that I mattered and that I was worthwhile and that I was loved, no, for no other reason than I was created in God's image and I was called into relationship with him. And over those years, there have been some really, really difficult times. And over that period of time, I have learnt to rest in, faultingly and stumblingly, but increasingly learnt to rest into the idea that, God, you are my shepherd. And I will pray, Lord Jesus, that you will change these circumstances, that you will remove what this difficulty is. But you see me and you know me and you are with me. And until you do, would you please do whatever it is in me that you are wanting to do? I have a feeling that whilst a lot of this God didn't cause, whilst I was asking God to change my circumstances, he was wanting to use the circumstances to change what was wrong in me. But it's not as I, until I start to relax into the idea that the Lord is my shepherd. Do I stop resenting the situation I find myself? Do I stop trying to take control and escape the situation I find myself in and just accept each day to say, Lord, you are my shepherd. And when difficulty comes across, when opposition comes across, I just said, Lord, would you teach me through this how to love in ways that I do not know how to love? Would you teach me how to rest? And what I've found is the green pastures and the still waters I have found less in my environment and more in my soul. And increasingly I'm finding myself freed from my small self and resting into my big self where I can have peace. Not because of the circumstances, but despite them. Because the Lord has been taking me on the right paths, paths I didn't even know I needed. The Lord is my shepherd. Are we prepared to surrender everything 
give thanks for what is today and say, Lord, would you today lead me along the right paths and continue to set me free. There's a richer aspect to the 23rd Psalm, however, if we go back to the the 22nd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is this beautiful Psalm of the Lord is my shepherd. The 22nd Psalm starts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. The 23rd Psalm is a psalm of comfort. The 22nd Psalm is a sign of anguish and desperation and a sense that I have been abandoned. This shepherd is nowhere near me. He is far off. He is not answering. Where have my green pastures gone? It goes on. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircled me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. It continues on with this desperate, heart-rendering sense of the torture of the place in which he finds himself in. But in the middle of it, in verse 22... Even whilst he still finds himself in this place, he said, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. In the 22nd Psalm, we start to get a sense of the anguish that the writer David had experienced as he wandered through the deepest, darkest valley. And we can look at these two Psalms and say, well, you know, David was a bit flaky, you know. Now, one day he's, the Lord is my shepherd, and the other day, where is God? But I think think David probably had to walk through the 22nd Psalm in order to be able to write the 23rd Psalm. I think David had to walk through the challenge of the 22nd Psalm and that journey in order to be able to write a psalm that has ministered to millions of people, to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort me, you are with me. He says this because he's been there. We hear in the 23rd Psalm a writer who was, in that sense, free, irrespective of the circumstances, but he didn't just arrive at that place. God took him on the right paths to enable him to stand in a place where he just understood the power of the presence of God in peace and provision despite the storm. That is not to say by any means that God causes all the stuff that comes across us. We live in a broken, hurting, sinful world. But if we allow the Lord to be our shepherd, he can use them. There is yet even a deeper understanding of the 23rd Psalm if we reflect back on the 22nd Psalm because the 22nd Psalm is not just a lament from David. It is not just the anguished cry of the heart of David, the writer, but it is also a prophetic psalm. See, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, when Jesus has been on the cross at the third hour, he cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And he is quoting Psalm 22. And later on in Psalm 22, it says, Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. That was what was happening to Jesus on the cross. They pierce my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes amongst them and cast my lot, lots for my garment. That is what the Romans did at the feet of Jesus. This is not just the story of the lament and anguish that David went through. It's a prophetic picture of what this Lord, the shepherd, would do in order to be able to rescue his people and the world. So when we read the 23rd Psalm, it's not just the Lord is my shepherd, but the Lord who walked through Psalm 22 for me in the world. That is my shepherd. He loves me that much. I can trust him. The Lord is my shepherd. But there is a risk with the 23rd Psalm. And the risk is that we can make ourselves the object of the 23rd Psalm. We don't intentionally do it, but if we're not careful, we can read it as, the Lord is my butler, who will provide me everything I want. He tucks me in at night and makes sure that I have pleasant, lovely days. The Lord brings me sustenance when I'm having a difficult time and the Lord provides for everything that I need. And I am the centre of the 23rd Psalm. I am not the object or centre of the 23rd Psalm. It's the Lord who is the object of the 23rd Psalm. It is the Lord who is the shepherd. It is the Lord who leads. It is the Lord who guides. It is the Lord who provides. It is the Lord who refreshes. It is the Lord who does all of these things. The Lord is the picture and centre of the 23rd Psalm. It is not me. And I think at times in my life, I've read the 23rd Psalm as if it was all about me. But it's about the Lord. It's about... Certainly the, the, the writer's relationship and saying, he is my shepherd, but it's about the shepherd. And the difficulty with this particular shepherd is that he's got an agenda that's just a little bit bigger than me. You see, John 3.16 doesn't say, God so loved me that he gave his only son to rescue me and save my life so that I could be beside green pastures. It said, for God so loved the world. See, if we are going to say the Lord is my shepherd, then we need to understand and embrace the agenda of the shepherd. And the agenda of the shepherd, we can see in 2 Corinthians 5.19, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their sins against us. And he has given us this message of reconciliation. This shepherd who we say, this Lord who we say is our shepherd, is the one who is on a mission to transform and save and redeem the entire world. I cannot possibly be the centre of that story. He is the centre of that story. And I get caught up into his story. 
And I wonder whether it's just possible that as I surrender my life and my control and my desires to his direction, as I surrender my life to allow it to be poured out into his mission, I will in fact find what I look for. Jesus says, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Let's look at a video. Slavery's end. Each morning we rise, wide awake and filled with purpose. We fight fearlessly in the name of justice because we believe in a better world and a God who moves us to make it so. We are the church. Beyond a building or a day of the week, relentlessly defending freedom. Not for some distant future, but for today so that this may be the last generation to be owned, sold, or ignored in their suffering. And though we may be free, we are tied to those still held in bondage, and we will not go away until lives, communities, and nations are transformed, until all countries protect all of their citizens. So, each day we rise again, knowing we are slavery's end. And we will never be free. Until all are free. That's a video for the International Justice Mission. But I think it taps into the heart of God. I think it taps into the desire for God to see and work his reconciling purposes so there are no more deepest, darkest valleys for anyone. And if we say the Lord is my shepherd, we are asking to be drawn into a bigger story. We are asking to be drawn into his story of hope and transformation and reconciliation that goes vastly beyond my life. And what I'm essentially saying is, I trust that as God captures me up into his purposes, in his desire for the fulfillment and freedom of the world, I will find a fulfillment and a freedom that I could not have comprehended. Mother Teresa says, the problem with the world is that we have forgotten that we belong to each other.
We are called to live out of our big selves. Lives that are generous and open and loving and undefended. And we're not there. And we stumble and we fall and we trip and we're selfish and we're broken. And we cannot fix ourselves. But the Lord can. And he can fix you. And he can fix me. And he can fix us. And he will work us into his purposes for the freedom and redemption of all mankind. The 23rd Psalm is a beautiful psalm. It's a profound psalm. It's an invitational psalm. Will we say, the Lord, that Lord, is my shepherd? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that your story is always bigger. Lord, we thank you that your heart is always bigger. Lord, we thank you that your desire is to set us free from the stuff that we do not even know we are in bondage to. Lord, we thank you so much that it's not up to us. That you will lead. Lord, would you help us to follow? Lord, would you help us to surrender all the things of which we are afraid, all the things of which we are concerned, all the things that worry us, and say in increasing confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing else I want but that the Lord is my shepherd. Lord Jesus, would you have your way in me, in my family, in our community, in this world, for your name's sake. Amen.